Rob Breckenridge with you across Alberta on the Chorus Radio Network. We've been talking a lot this week about Afghanistan for good reason. As our next guest writes, it's hard to imagine how the debacle the Biden administration overseeing in Afghanistan could be any worse. Look, ultimately, it didn't have to be this way. And ultimately, American leadership matters. I think to the extent that Canada is still connected to or involved in the situation in Afghanistan, you know, we're, we're following American leadership here. And fair enough, I mean, if the American public is done, if the American public just wants to wash its hands of the situation, get troops out of there and not have to think about it. And I mean, obviously, I guess that's that's their prerogative. But is the world any safer now? The Americans have abandoned Afghanistan, that the Taliban are reasserting themselves. So I think there's some legitimate concern about the situation that we're leaving behind in Afghanistan. And again, that question of did it have to be this way? Well, joining us to talk more about all of this, very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Noel Rothman, associate editor at Commentary Magazine, also author of the book Unjust, Social Justice and the Unmaking of America, much more at commentary.org. Noel, thanks so much for joining us here this morning. Welcome to the program. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, it was interesting to hear President Joe Biden this week, uh, on the one hand, accepting responsibility, on the other hand, pointing a, a lot of fingers of blame. And I, I guess there's plenty of blame to go around. But doesn't the buck stop with the president? It does. And his assumption of responsibility for this um, was undermined to the point of being inoperable by the amount of excuses he made for the conditions that he's presiding over all of which, um, or at least the vast majority of which, I find utterly contemptible because they are unfounded in fact. Um, the notion here, he said, well, you know, all our special immigrant visas, SIVs, the, the Afghan official, the Afghan people who helped us, you know, they, the Afghan government didn't want to get out, they didn't want to get out, they didn't want to project panic. Nonsense. Tens of thousands are backlogged. They've been trying to get out. Um, we didn't provide them the opportunity to do so. He predicated the assumption that we needed to get out. You know, the, 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 the withdrawal self-justifies here by virtue of its chaoticness. They say, oh, well, it's so chaotic. Obviously, we needed to get out when we needed to get out, as though this wasn't an engineered condition. Um, in July, Joe Biden premised his desire to get out of Afghanistan on the assumption that the Afghan forces were strong, well-trained, well-equipped, capable of defending their own country. Now that we got out and the way we got out, he blames Afghan fighters for melting away. Um, which is only true of the 48 hours prior to the collapse of Kabul. Afghan fighters have been mounting valiant defenses of their country for years, up to and including the week prior to the collapse of Kabul, when the um, American government reluctantly resumed close air support and airstrikes on advancing Taliban positions. They had cut them off. They had stopped executing those strikes because we had moved all assets out of the country, and up to and including support staff who were servicing, for example, helicopters. Those helicopters were grounded because American officials who had, uh, who had uh, supported these elements um, withdrew that support. We have engineered Afghanistan's collapse. And Joe Biden wanted it that way. This is his policy, the fact that he refuses to own it, um, even though he gives a perfunctory nod in the direction of his own responsibility while absolving himself simultaneously of any responsibility for these events, um, is unsatisfying and uncompelling. And if the rationale for getting out was more stability, less war, uh, less the terrorist threat, American um, and, and Western um, uh, prestige, advancing American prestige and advancing American interests generally, um, I don't see any of that materializing, much the opposite. 
Uh, and, and look, I mean, he was vice president a, a decade ago, so certainly he, he's had a role in, in shaping the American response here. But I mean, uh, in fairness, he inherited a situation. Um, what could have been done, though? Right. I mean, wh where were the mistakes since Joe Biden has become president? How, how could this have been avoided? Frankly, all Joe Biden had to do was nothing. Um, he took steps to engineer, as I said, this condition. Now, he likes to blame um, the, uh, the Trump administration, which did demoralize the Afghan forces by negotiating uh, with the Taliban and communicating to the Afghan government and, and Afghans generally that American support for their country was finite. Um, but Joe, Barack Obama said essentially the same thing about withdrawal from Iraq, which was operative only up until Barack Obama had to reintroduce troops into Iraq because the circumstances were precisely so urgent. It's a fig leaf. It's an excuse. Um, Joe Biden doesn't make a point of uh, you know, preserving Donald Trump's policies when and where he wants them to disappear. Presumably, this is one that he likes, which is why he decided to preserve it. However, mm -hmm. um, what we had, what Joe Biden inherited was uh, an Afghan conflict that was being waged by Afghan fighters uh, and had been in the front lines since 2015. Our combat operations ceased in 2014. He inherited a footprint that was no bigger than just about any other forward base um, that America operates across and the war and NATO operates across the, the, the world in tens of countries, roughly 25 to 3,000 troops operating from behind high walls and uh, as again, operating aircraft and drone strikes. Uh, essentially, the American presence in Afghanistan was hermetically sealed. In fact, before then, you would hear Afghans saying how difficult it was to find an American on the street, uh, contrary to, uh, for example, the presence that Russia maintains in Afghanistan, where it's really not difficult to find a Russian on the streets. Um, that was what Joe Biden inherited. Joe Biden wanted to get out. It was a political project. And he pursued it with vigor, and he's now enjoying the consequences of that action. Well, let's talk about consequences because, look, there are security interests here for the United States, I would argue for, for Canada, much of the Western world, which speaks to why we were there in the first place. So the idea that we can just ignore Afghanistan, that whatever happens there is no longer a problem, that just doesn't seem realistic here. So what do you see as, as the consequences now of this failure? Uh, they're quite dire. Um, we've already seen, for example, the Taliban in, over the course of negotiations had never renounced violence and never renounced its ties to Al Qaeda. Um, we now see an uptick, according to reporting in Washington Post, Politico, New York Times, an uptick in chatter among jihadist organizations, jihadist groups, aspiring Islamist terrorists who say, forget, forget Iraq, forget Syria, Afghan's the place, Afghanistan's the place to be. We now have a friendly government there, which is extremely well armed with modern equipment, modern Humvees, modern helicopters, offensive weaponry, uh, surveillance drones, all the stuff that we left behind. And they will support and incubate these operations. Uh, the United States has already increased the, the uh, assessed terror threat in Afghanistan, which will take some time to materialize, but materialize it will. Elsewhere in the world, we've probably seen the uh, revanchist regimes, like the regime in Beijing, like the regime in Moscow, take their cues. Um, we've been talking about how Beijing really does believe there's a window of opportunity here to retake the island nation of Taiwan by force. Um, this is something that American Brass has testified before the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee that is a threat that could materialize in this decade. I would suggest after the events that we've just witnessed, it's a threat that could materialize before the end of Joe Biden's term, because if there's a window to act, it is upon us. Elsewhere in Moscow, we know that this is a regime that has courted 
international condemnation by militarily seizing territory and summarily annexing it into the Russian Federation. But the threat isn't necessarily limited to Ukraine. The threat that keeps American war planners up at night is a military provocation in Estonia, a NATO ally, to test the alliance's commitment to the mutual defense provisions in Article 5. Would the Western world go to war, a global war, against Moscow in the defense of Tallinn and its sovereignty? I'm not so sure they would. And I guarantee you the Kremlin isn't so sure they would. That, too, is an opportunity to act. And those are just a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there are many, many others we have yet to anticipate. As it pertains to the Taliban, uh, this this notion that, that I think they want to put out or that their apologists uh, would like to put out that, you know, this is a different Taliban, that uh, those those concerns that existed two decades ago in the 90s aren't really concerns today. Do, do you buy into any of this notion that, you know, maybe we don't have to be concerned about this, this new Taliban? Well, the, the reason that we've had a general, general success in the war on terror and keeping um, large-scale foreign-directed terrorist operations from being executed on American shores, Canadian shores. Europe has had some struggles with this, but they haven't seen major Islamist foreign-directed terrorist attacks in their soil for some time either. And this didn't happen entropically. It's not as though the threat simply faded away. The strategy that we've pursued over the last two decades was to address threats as they materialize there, in Central Asia, in the Middle East, and it's been wildly successful in part as a result, not just of our forward operating capabilities, but because of the intelligence that we get from friendly governments. Joe Biden suggests now that we can maintain the kind of operations, the kind of operational pace that we pursued in Afghanistan, and by the way, in Pakistan. The reason why our base was so valuable in, in Afghanistan is because it facilitated operations inside Pakistan as well. But the reason why that was so successful is because we had Bagram Air Base. We had a base of operations, and we had friendly intelligence that was provided to us fire sources on the ground. I don't know if that material intelligence is going to materialize with a Taliban-led government. I bet it wouldn't. And no. it's really not that easy to reach this place. I mean, if you're going to conduct over-the-horizon you know, over the horizon operations, you're going to try to do it from the Persian Gulf. Uh, that's not as easy an operation as, you would, as, as I think Joe Biden wants us all to think. So, no, our operational capabilities have been severely degraded by this. Well, we'll leave it there. Much more, as mentioned, commentary.org. No, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks for making some time for us here today. My pleasure. Thank you. All the best. Uh, that's Noah Rothman. He's associate editor at Commentary Magazine, also author of the book Unjust, Social Justice and the Unmaking of America. It's got a couple of really interesting pieces uh, up this week. Uh, one more specifically looking at Joe Biden's excuses for this debacle, but also the, those broader foreign policy implications here, that the world is much less secure, he argues, as a result of this. Certainly the implications on the ground in Afghanistan, I think, are obvious. But even further to that, that American leadership void, who's going to fill that void? Chinese are happy to, the Russians are happy to, and if they sense American weakness, how far are they prepared to push the envelope? So you think about those scenarios that he mentions. How plausible is that? that China feels emboldened when it comes to Taiwan, or that Russia feels emboldened when it comes to Ukraine, or even when it comes to, to say, for example, Estonia. And what, what are the Americans going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, we certainly, I think, to, to a large extent, take our cues uh, from, from the Americans. I think certainly this prime minister that we have and this president that we have, that's definitely the, the arrangement. So, yeah, it, it's worrisome, absolutely.